a wonderful God, don't we? How well do we know Him? Well, you know, the Bible says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure all of us can get to know Him better. And that's our desire this morning, is that we would get to know Him better and that He will be the Lord of our lives. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, if you would, as we continue on in our study on the Sermon on the Mount. And... Uh, Committing murder in your heart. And we talked about this last week. And uh, how important it is as, as the Lord gets into now these, uh, these sayings. You have heard it said, verse 21 there. But I say unto you. And again, how much do we put stock in what we've heard said? Or what authority do we put on things that men say or even in their opinions? Oftentimes we run into people who have their opinions. And uh, opinions can be just as good as the source of which they come from, but yet opinions are opinions. God's word is thus saith the Lord. And so as we study the Bible, it's not an opinion. It is thus saith the Lord. And so he says, I say unto you. You know, I had opportunity to witness to a man this week and as I was sharing with him, he was, he was saying to me, he says, you know, I just can't imagine a loving God sending someone to hell uh, because I'm a good person. I've not killed anybody, and I started thinking about my message this morning uh, in that God says that if we have anger in our heart, as it says here in verse 22, he says, uh, if you have anger with your brother without cause, you are in danger uh, of the judgment. You have committed murder in your heart. And God is interested in the heart of the matter, isn't he? Uh, in fact, all these issues are here. When he gets into the next one, which we'll look at in a couple of weeks possibly, about adultery in our hearts. God is interested in our hearts. And as this man went on and he talked about how that he wasn't like Hitler or or other people, and he just says, I can't imagine God sending me to hell just because uh, I don't accept Jesus as my Savior. And I started thinking, aren't we glad that God has provided a way to him? He could have not even provided a way to him. When we understand how holy he is, how just he is, and then we see ourselves as sinful people. The trouble is, is oftentimes we look on the outside and we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And we say, well, I'm not as bad as this person. Well, the Bible says we are unwise if we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. God says, for all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. And so God sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be rescued. And God is interested in our heart. And if we are to look at our heart, if... Do you know, maybe some of you, and before you're saved or even after you're saved, you've wondered if you, when you died and you went to heaven, if there was a movie screen up there on the, on the, on the walls of heaven, and they played your life, what would you be embarrassed? What if they played your thoughts, even your thoughts of this week? How many would like that? 
You know, I mean, it's amazing what thoughts come in our minds at times. And the Bible says to cast down those vain imaginations, cast down those thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ and bring every thought into obedience. You know, we need to work on those things. We had a marvelous lesson on Wednesday night talking about the battlefield of our mind and how the flesh wants to take control of the mind. And so this morning we come to our mind and we ask ourselves, in our mind, is, is, is God pleased with our thinking process? And as we talk about this anger, we're going to go into forgiveness and dealing with that this morning. And I want you to pay close attention. As I was thinking about the message this morning and, and other messages, it's not about what you think of me. It's about what you think about God's Word. And it's about what how God uses His Word in our hearts. We are... If you're born again, you are in a progress of growth in your life. And this morning, may God help us to grow our lives, to be more conformed to His image. And we want to bring Him glory. So may God work this morning. I'm going to pray and ask God to speak to our hearts as, as He would see fit. Father, I, I pray that uh, as we look into our own hearts this morning, we examine uh, our relationships, maybe our marriages, maybe our neighbors, Maybe our work relationships, whatever it might Maybe our relationship with you. What do we find? Father, we can some only see oftentimes what's on the outside, though uh, often what's on the inside comes on the outside. But this world has been good at trying to cover up the emptiness and the, and the, the misery of which people are in. And I, I pray that we'll come to, to understand uh, uh, where our thoughts ought to be towards people and understand how we can have those healthy thoughts. And we're going to praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the, the Pharisees were uh, looking on the outside, excuse me, and, and they were concerned about being brought under judgment or consequences of their external actions. And God says, man, there's an internal battle that's going on. There's an internal struggle that's going on. And many people are shackled in their soul because they have the wrong relationship with people. Would you not agree with me on that? They don't have forgiveness. And I, I want, uh, as we, we don't, uh, we look in our attitudes about people, we don't want to nurse the, the wrong thoughts. Someone does something to you and, and you uh, then nurse that thought and it begins to, to fester inside and then... Uh, explode or change churches or change families or change husbands or change wives or whatever it means. It seems like we can, we can just change our environment. What we need to do is we need to change our hearts. We need to get to the heart of the issue. Now, in this passage here, uh, he says, you know, you, you call someone raka. Remember that, that word raka? Uh, you numbskull, you empty head, you fool, those, those kinds of words. It can be slander. It can be the slander that's going on in your heart uh, there. Uh, whispers of worthlessness. Uh, may God help us in, in these things. And, and uh, he, he talks about this. Uh, and, and we talked about it last week that we need to make sure that we have the right judgment. As we went into Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. And so important for us to understand the context of this is that this is talking about you judging people based on who you are, based on your intentions, based on your understanding. God does not want that to be. But God does want us to have discernment based on the Scriptures. 
Did we all catch that last week? So important for us to understand that I'm not, I'm not going out there and making decisions based on my understanding. I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not into my own understandings. And then He's going to direct my path because I let the Bible be the Word in my life. I let the Bible be the lamp unto my feet and light unto my path so that I can see the right direction. It is so sad that people have gotten away from the Scriptures. Even Christian people. The Bible needs to be our final authority. Oh, I tell you, I'm thankful that we can have excellence in the Word of God and we can study it. And it is such a living and vibrant book. Isn't it? Amen to that. I hope that you're studying it now because God wants you to be able to discern. It is a command of the Scriptures. And even as we talked about Wednesday night, how this battle is going on in our mind, the more we can push against the flesh, the more we can push against the world, the more we can push against Satan because of the Word of God being a light into our soul, the more territory we gain in our soul and in our mind to have a life that brings Him greater glory and greater peace to your own selves. I said Wednesday night, I said, too many Christians are just thinking, you know, I'm going to read the Bible. I've got to do it because it's a responsibility. If you understood the benefit of it, you would be running to God's word, running to God's word, praying. People say, well, I'm too busy to pray. If you understood the power of prayer, if I understood the power of prayer, we wouldn't be putting it off. We'd be running to it. These types of things. And so we look at these passages and then we came bottom line to First uh, John chapter three. And once you just turn there again, I want to read this because our problem today is a problem of love. How can uh, I uh, I have uh, love, it's, quote, love in my heart towards someone and then all of a sudden I hate them? Apparently, we might not have the right kind of love. Let me just read this again as we continue on. Verse 11 says, First uh, John chapter three. For this is the message that ye, we heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And, and you know about the story of Cain and Abel. Uh, they were brothers. Uh, Cain slew his brother uh, because uh, his own works were evil. Now I, you just stop there a little bit. As we talk about anger, as we talk about um, how we can become judgmental towards someone else, oftentimes, oftentimes, there's something inside of you that's eating at you. And it's so much easier to point a finger at someone else than to deal with your own sin. And my friends, if you think about the sin of unforgiveness, what a horrible sin it is. You think, well, they said that horrible thing. Listen, I believe God looks at our hearts in such a way that our unforgiveness or dealing with these things in the wrong way is a greater weight of responsibility. Because, by the way, you are not responsible for someone else. You are responsible for yourself and your own heart. Is that not correct? Deal with it. Deal with it properly. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. I mean, the world's going to hate you because you're a light and the world doesn't like the light. We know we've passed from death unto light because uh, we love the brethren. 
And I love this because this is a quality uh, that comes into our lives. I know it's definitely been an evident uh, part of my salvation is that we love the brethren. Uh, In verse 15, whosoever hateth his brother uh, is a murderer. You know that no murderers uh, hath eternal life abiding in him. And again, remember, as I said, that that word, uh, that, that word hateth is in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing action. You're just, you just, you're filled with this animosity. Listen, there's something wrong with a person that has an easy trigger towards getting upset, right? Uh an easy button to be pushed, and all of a sudden he goes into a rage. We need to ask ourselves, what in the, in, is going on inside of me? And I need to deal with it. I need to take care of it. And God gives us directions for this. He says in verse 16, whereby perceive we the love of God. We know uh, that God loves us because God sent his son to die on the cross. And so we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So to be God-like, which is godly, is means that if God sent His Son to die on the cross to rescue us as filthy, rotten, dirty sinners so that we could be born again and belong to His family, so we ought to be willing to die for our brethren. You know, we see this in the military, don't we? As men give up their lives to go to, to keep the freedoms of our country. And thank you for that. We're so grateful for those that have served in the, in the military. He goes on, he says, but whosoever hath this world's good. And so now he, he, he doesn't even, he, he's going to another level here, not just dying for some, or talking about dying for some, which was some of us might have to think, take a second, second thought in. But he talks about if you've got the worldly goods, if you've got finances, if you've got things that you can help, and you see a brother who has a need, and you shut up your bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in you? Don't resist a generous impulse. God lays things on your heart. You need to go out there and take care of it. Now, it's important that we don't enable people in the wrong direction, right or wrong. So again, you have to have discernment here. And oftentimes when we say things, you know, we have to be careful about balancing them in the Scriptures. And we'll get into, uh, just touch on Second Thessalonians chapter 3. It's a marvelous portion of Scriptures. Second Thessalonians 3, verses 6, 6 through 15 which says, you know what? If you don't work, what? You don't eat. He's not talking about enabling laziness. But you see a brother who's going through some struggles, or you see brothers in need. By the way, last Sunday we had that auction for uh, uh, desserts. I was sharing with John Vector. John, why don't you just raise your hand? John's our uh, 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 sound engineer that's come to help us with our property. By the way, tomorrow we're working to get it all put in there for the, the infrastructure of our, our sound engineer. And, and uh, I shared my brownies with John. I said, John, enjoy them. They cost me $40. We're savoring every bite. But you know, over $3,000 came in for our mission team in Peru. You folks were praying about what to do, and every need was met. Isn't that something? Isn't that wonderful? And so it says here, if you see a brother in need, it could be going on a mission trip. It could be uh, they've had a car accident or something else. He says... uh, 
don't shut up your bowels of compassion, verse 17. How dwells the love of God? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen to that. We need to be those of men of truth in action. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. You know, as I look inside my heart, do I see Jesus Christ? God's love. And it manifests itself. We are not saved by our works, but our works show the reality of what's inside of us. Do we all get that? You know, so many people have, uh, let's say this, put their faith in Jesus. They've invited Christ into their heart and nothing happens. I was 14 years old when I first invited Jesus into my heart. But I went an entire year, there was nothing there. Nothing. I basically invited him in to, for a fire stake. And the guy says on television, he says, I'll invite him in so you don't have to go to hell. I said, well, that sounds like a good deal. But when I was 15 years old, I understood that God wanted a relationship with me and that I was a sinner and I needed a savior. And he came into my life and he changed me. That's being born again. Aren't we glad for that, Wayne? That we can be born again. We can be converted because we cry out to the Father and say, Oh God, save me. And He will. And the evidence of it is that we love our brothers. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 5. All right, we've had the easy part so far. Now we're going to get to the hard part. All right, you ready? The hard part. This is found there. In verse 23, he says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gifts to the altar, in other words, you're coming to church, you're going to worship the Lord, and you remember that your brother hath aught against thee. Leave there thy gifts before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. While thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary. By the way I believe this could be talking about another issue here. Uh, one talking about a brother. Another trying to deal with matters as they take place. Uh, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge. And the judge deliver thee to the officer. And thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. Now I want you to remember that word, farthing. We're going to get into this today and next week about some of this economy that's brought out in the Scripture. A farthing is considered a half a pence. A half a pence. You say, uh, Pastor, what is a half a pence? A pence is considered, or a penny, uh, in the Roman time here, was considered, a pence would be considered one day's salary. One day's salary. So a half a pence would be considered what? A half a day's salary. Now, let's say, and we're going to use, in sake of illustration, for consistency, plus our minds are easier on this, that uh, if you made $100 a day, 
Now, some of you say, boy, that's great. Some of you say, man, I'm not worth getting out of bed for $100 a day. But let's just say for, for the sake of our illustration as we continue on through this, that you earned $100 a day. He's saying you're going to be in prison until you've paid how much? Down to $50. $50. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. But you know there are a lot of people in prison in their soul because they will not deal with forgiveness and getting things right with people. Now, as we talk about this, notice here that it says back there in verse 23, he says that if you remember, you've come to church and you remember that your brother, what, has ought against you. This is not about your uh, brother doing an offense to you, and though we're going to talk about that also, we're going to try to cover every aspect of this. But he said that your brother is upset with you. You have done something wrong to somebody else. Is it important to go and make it right with him? Yes or no? Yes. And it is important for us to be sensitive to the Lord. Not make excuses. You know, we, we rest upon our excuses and we don't go and take care of matters properly. I remember years ago that I had said something about another pastor to another pastor friend. And we were just talking about him casually. And you know, it's easy to start getting into conversations, isn't it? And then you say something that wasn't quite right. And I had an opportunity to go with this other pastor that I had said something about. And as we were traveling down the road, God spoke to my heart and he says, You know what? You assassinated his character by saying what you said. Now, that pastor didn't even know about that. But God says, you need to get it right with him. And I told him, I says, brother, and Margaret, you know that, pastor. I says, will you please forgive me for saying those things? Two things took place. Two things took place. What do you think they are? Number one, I got forgiveness. I did something right scripturally. Number two. Do you know how painful it was to do that? And when you have something that's that painful to you, it makes you think twice before you do it again. However, do we do it again? We do. Even of yesterday. Yesterday. We were all standing around at the workplace and everything. and Or not yesterday, it was Friday. So I've had at least two days behind now. <laughs> and, and we were talking about, about different things. And, and I made a correction there. I don't know if you were there. You weren't there Friday. So, you, I mean, you just can imagine, right? And, and, uh, uh, and I, I made a correction. And as we finished the meeting and everything and all, God smote my heart again. And he says, you know what? You could have embarrassed that person because you made a correction publicly and uh, other people hearing around. You ever think about that? I mean, we need to be sensitive in our hearts. 
So I went to the person and I says, you know what, I thinking about, it wasn't my intention, I, and I was thinking about what I said, and I says, you know what, it was wrong. Will you please forgive me? Is that important for us to do? You know, we need to humble ourselves in the sight of God and men that we follow through with the right kinds of actions towards others. Uh, so here it's talking about if your brother have ought, you go and take care of it. And this is what's being brought out here and how important it is to have forgiveness. Amen. And so I'm glad for people exercising forgiveness to me. And so I ought to be exercising forgiveness to others. I, I wrote down a statement here that it has well been said that the person who refuses to forgive his brother destroys the very bridge over which he himself must walk. And so we ask for Forgiveness. God knows our hearts. And, and so, so often what we say, well, you know, I, I, it wasn't all that bad. And again, making excuses and, and we get into to, to saying uh, various things and trying to cover up. Or, or maybe what we'll say is I'm going to stay at the altar and I'm going to say my Hail Marys and my Our Fathers and that will take care of it. Oftentimes we'll put in place things that might satisfy our conscience. But it has not been dealt with biblically. So I want to encourage you to deal with this biblically because Luke 6, 6, 15 says, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. I like that. For that which is highly esteemed amongst men is an abomination in the sight of God. May God help us to have the right heart, and the right response. If I regard iniquity in my heart, what happens? The Lord will not hear me. How many want to have their prayers not answered? How important it is. God knows our heart. He shares things on our hearts. We go out there and deal with it. The Bible says, He who covers his sin, what? Shall not prosper. I've run into so many people because of their pride and their own arrogance. They will not go to a brother that they've offended and ask them to forgive them. Because they think themselves to be above that other brother. Go to him and humble yourself. And I'll tell you what, you'll find healing in your soul. Isn't that uh, what James chapter 5 says? That uh, if you call and you're sick and you call the elders and you pray together. It says, confess your faults one to another that you might be healed. Do you know a healthy church is a church that will be honest with each other and ask that forgiveness? And so we've dealt with this aspect of it and getting forgiveness and, and how important that is. And to, to go to a brother and if someone comes to forgive or to make it right, uh, I, 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 I thank the Lord that we can learn this and we can practice this. Yes, it can be painful. Maybe you've not been in the practice of doing something like this. And this might become a learning curve for you to go out and begin this at 50 or 60 or 70 years of age. Do you know the average Christian has not learned how to do this? But yet when you consider how much God has forgiven you of, 
how important it is for you to go out and do it. The Bible says, forgive as you have been forgiven. Isn't that right? And so now we're going to talk about this aspect of not being defensive, not justification, but going out there and, uh, and taking care of it. And, and, and so turn to Matthew chapter 18 now. Matthew chapter 18. Get rid of these anchors in our soul. Learning how to do this. In Matthew chapter 18, and and understand that the gospel of Matthew is not written uh, chronologically. It is thematically written. In other words, it puts together in chunks uh, different aspects of things. And here in Matthew 18, it's, a, it's, an, it's an interesting passage here. And, and it talks about, uh, uh, in verse 11, it talks about this lost sheep. You all heard the story of the lost sheep, uh, about how the, the shepherd went out and, and he left his 90 and 9 and went out and rescued that one sheep that was lost out there. How, how many know that story? Yeah. Right after that, because of this theme here, he goes into verse 15. And he talks about if your brother shall trespass against thee. And I think uh, this, this is so interesting how that uh, the emphasis put on a uh, financial or whatever it might be, leaving 99 and going out there to rescue that one, how important that was for that shepherd. Now he says, you know, if your brother has trespassed against you, moreover, Go out there to restore a brother. You see a brother taken in a fault. You, uh, I think it's, it's, it's uh, uh, in this passage. Brethren, if, 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 if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou be tempted also. You see a brother who has fallen, or a brother who's in sin, or a brother who's struggling, or a brother who has done something against you. So don't have the attitude, wow, he deserves anything he gets. No, the idea is there is to go out and try to rescue. And he brings in right after this one sheep that's out there. How important it is for us to go out and rescue that one person. There's an urgency here. And I go to that brother that's in fault or struggling to rescue him, to restore him, and to have the right relationship with my brother. Well, he shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to go to... Listen, it is commanded for us to... And by the way, this is a part... We're going to be talking a little bit about this tonight in our changes in our Constitution, but how important it is to go to that person alone. Notice what it says here. Moreover, thy brother shall trespass against thee. Go and tell the entire church... Go tell your closest friends his faults. Is that what it says? Go tell him and him alone. You keep this matter private. You're going out there to rescue him. You go to him with the idea of winning him uh, to the Lord. And you go there in a spirit of meekness. Understanding, considering yourself, lest you be lifted up in pride. Some people don't like confrontation 
or they don't like to go out there and do something like this. But it, but here, if you were to have in your heart this idea that I want to go and help this my brother, and maybe there's a misunderstanding, or maybe there's something that's not quite right here in my own life, and so you go in the spirit of meekness to go and restore him. The word restore is like setting a broken bone and making it heal well. Well, I wish we'd listen to this. In our marriages, in our families, brothers and sisters, our neighbors, and all these types of things. This is kind of dealing in the area of the church here. But the principles follow into our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, and going and making things right. Most people either, uh, 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 I wrote it down, they, they either clam up or they cover up. God wants us to go for construction. And then what does it say here? It says there, he says, you go with him, hear him, that you gain your brother. But if he will not hear thee, then what do you do? He says, you take it, uh, take someone with thee, one or two with thee. Okay, so you're trying to help a brother. He's not willing to repent. He's not willing to change. There's a real problem going on here. And so now you take another brother or two with you that they can witness every word that may be established. And this is important because of uh, of of uh, having someone that comes alongside of you because you might have it wrong. Right. You, you might not have all the facts and you might be holding something in there that maybe another brother might help you to establish correctly. And it's important as you keep this group small because you ever take a feather pillow and open it up and let the wind catch the feathers and they blow out there? It's hard to go pick up all the feathers, isn't it? And so you don't want to assassinate a person. And, and let me give you this advice. If you've ever had to go with somebody, and I've had to go with somebody. We've had church discipline in our church uh, 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 before. And uh, thank the Lord, it's not been many times, but it does happen. And there's a purpose for church discipline. Isn't that right? You read 1 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says that if a brother is not willing to take care of his sins, you deliver his body over for the destruction of the flesh. So that his soul might be saved. And so you go in this right spirit. And listen, if you're going with somebody, you need to be careful that you don't go already having perceived a judgment in your own mind. The Bible says in Proverbs that if you listen to one side of a story and you make a a decision based on one side of the story, he says it's like taking a dog by the ears and wringing his ears. Try that to a pit bull. I uh, talked with a man, and, and I could sense that there was some bitterness in his heart uh, this week. doesn't go to our church, but uh, came and visited and uh, got to talk to him and got hurt in the church. You ever get hurt in a church? It's easy to do, isn't it? It really is. And, and as I as I as I talked to him, you could sense his bitterness was was there and everything. And and, and, and after he said that, I said, well, listen, uh, brother, I says, you know what you've told me, I can't make a decision about. He says, well, do you think I'm lying? 
I said, no, 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 it's not that. But he says, listen, it's only one side of the story. And I have to be careful that I enter it. But you know, oftentimes when someone comes, hey, you come with me and I want to tell you what's happening and you better follow what I'm saying and you better believe what I'm saying and let's go in there and let's take them on. That's not the spirit of it. Again, it's the spirit of going and restoring a brother. Years ago, Tom Canfield, you all know Tom Canfield, one of our missionaries. He was struggling with something that I had done. Can you imagine that? He says, Pastor, we need to sit down and talk. And I so appreciate his spirit coming. And he shared those things. And I don't, I don't even remember what it's about. He probably doesn't even remember what it was about. But we got to talk about it. And I, I'm sure I probably asked forgiveness because probably I was wrong. And we prayed together. And now Tom Canfield's in Kenya, Africa, serving the Lord as one of our missionaries. What if he decided not to come? What if he decided to let it eat at him? And put his soul in prison. Y'all get what I'm talking about? This is healthy. It, it's We're living in such a side. I talked about this last week. This, this year is going to be brutal with the election year. Would you not agree? And we are so conditioned to complain and to criticize. Don't do it. Go deal with folks. Help them to come. Come with that spirit of meekness. Consider yourself lest you also fall into temptation. And so you go and, and, and hear... Uh, it says here uh, that every word will be established. And then verse 17, he says, Now, if he neglects to hear them, then now you bring it before the church. Okay? And, and, and that's what church discipline is. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Now, that's sad when it comes to that. But there are times when people will not take care of sin in their lives and like I've said, we, in 30-some years, we've only had a few of these types of situations. But verse 18 and 19 is an interesting passage. And, and, I, and, and as we read this, I know some people have taken this out of context. Uh, but understand that in context here, he says, Verily I say unto you, uh, Whatsoever shall be bound in he- earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In context... He is saying that if you will deal with things biblically, that the decision and direction here, as it's been dealt with in the right spirit, in the right biblical concepts and everything, whatever is done there in that aspect of this church discipline, it's also up in heaven. Isn't that interesting? It's not saying, all right, we're going to kick this person out of the church and God, you come and join us. No, 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 no. God's saying, you join me in dealing with this properly and biblically. Then those decisions that are made here are also there in heaven. Isn't that something? That's quite an interesting passage. You know, it might throw you for for some loop there. So I don't want you to to miss that. I, I, I found it quite, quite interesting. 
Every word established, tell the church, oh my, take care of things. Uh, there's other places in the scriptures. And in 2 uh, uh, Thessalonians, I made reference to this, 3, chapter 6, verse 15. And it's talking about someone who won't take care of, of, of his responsibilities in the finances. And the Bible says you consider him uh, not as an enemy. You admonish him, you warn him as a brother. And, uh, and so there is this, you know, we, we, we kind of have this idea, live and let live. Isn't that right? I mean, that's kind of the attitude today. Don't, don't go out and tell people, don't ruffle feathers. Don't say that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're going to hell. Don't tell people those things. Why? Why? Do I want anybody to go to hell? Yes or no? You know, for me to hold my silence is not helping my brother. I'm supposed to come alongside. In fact, that's what the church is to be about in, uh, what is it, Hebrews chapter, where is it, 13, 10, someplace where it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Where's that found? Oh boy, isn't that something? Let, let, let me, let, let's turn there. I've got it underlined in my Bible. It's right here on this side of the page. But I can't remember what chapter. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, 10, 10, 10. There it is. <laughs> Verse 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But we're living in a society that is, has rebellion in their heart and they don't want anybody telling them what's right to do. The wrong path can take a person so far. And this morning, what I'm preaching to you is God's Word. If you discover or you think that there's something that another brother has ought with you about, you go to that brother. Amen to that? And then, if you discover that a brother is taken in a fault, you go and try to restore him in the spirit of meekness. Amen to that? Is it a suggestion or a command? It is a command. And then, my friends, should we forgive those who have done things wrong against us? Absolutely. And you know, back here in Matthew chapter 18, as I said, it's the- thematic. Guess what he goes into, uh, into next? Verse 21. Peter says, How many times should I forgive somebody? Hey, I know if I forgive him, he's just going to do it again. You ever have that rationale? Well, maybe seven times. What does God say? 490 times. Now, there's two things about that. The ill nature of trying to keep records. Right? Number two. And I like this part, Gary. Do you think... After about 480 times, it's starting to become a habit in your life. To forgive, to forgive, to forgive, to forgive. 
You know, so often we set a limit and say, man, I've already done it. How many times has God forgiven you? And by the way, that's the next illustration, and you've got to come back next Sunday to hear about it. Father, I pray, I pray that you'll help us now in what we've heard. You've, you've taken this in a way of, of these aspects of right relationships, and truly these right relationships are in our heart. Every one of us knows what's going on in our hearts. Everyone knows whether we have ought, uh, whether we have something that we need to deal with or we're not dealing with. We, we just cover it up. We make excuses or we try to do something else rather than dealing with it properly. I pray that you help our congregation and this preacher that we will grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Truly, there is a failure in our love one for another as we do not try to go and help our brothers. And sometimes we don't see a sense that confrontation or uh, um, uh, conflicts, uh, we, we, we see it in the wrong light rather than seeing it as constructive in my desire to help one another. Lord, our desires need to be your desires. And Lord, you speak to our hearts. You tell us when we do things wrong. You show us those things. And your word needs to be a light on to our soul and a light into what we do for others. And we, we ought to be careful about using our, our own judgment as the source of why we do what we do. But that, Lord, allowing your word to be the center of our direction and conduct of our lives. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I hope and pray that as we get into this study and this, this, this aspect, that God might free some folks here that maybe have a shackled soul because of unforgiveness. I talked to a lady this week out on visitation. And she said to me, she says, you know, I finally understood God's forgiveness. And I was able to forgive the sexual abuse that was in my life. And she says, you know what? When I was able to forgive that person, I felt a load come off my shoulders and a freedom in my soul. You know, too often, and, and the atrocities that take place in our lives, you can shackle your soul by not having forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean that that person escapes the consequences of his wrongdoing. And by the way, no one will ever escape the consequences of their wrongdoing. We don't want to be deceived. Unless they have forgiveness from the Lord, they will deal with it as well. But I can deal with my own soul to make sure it is right before the Lord. I'm afraid, though, that too often we've become so used to the territory in our soul that we do not see the blights that is hindering us. And it's become so commonplace. Help us to be sensitive. I'm glad God spoke to my heart on Friday to go get things right with my brother. I'm glad that when God helps me to understand that I've hurt my wife, that I'll go to her and make those things right. Oh, God, help us to have sensitive souls. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, why don't you come to know him? And we'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song. Maybe, Josh, maybe you can read, uh, write.